Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one mercifully lenient page of Talmud every day. In today's page, the rabbis are busy having, as always, a judicious conversation about what is or is not halachically permissible. And one of them cites the opinion of a certain rabbi, Menashe ben Menachem. And then another says, and is the entire world Menashe ben Menachem? Meaning, just because you saw one rabbi forbid it, does that mean that this thing is prohibited to the world entire? Which really raises this interesting question of how we can both respect authority, listen to it, follow it, learn from it, but at the same time remember that the figures of authority are fallible humans and that this is why we should always be in constant conversation and in constant learning. And when I think constant conversation and constant learning, I think about my dear friend, straight from the Strauss Center at Yeshiva University, the Hogwarts of the Jewish people. It is Rabbi Dr. Stuart Halpern. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be back on the podcast. Pleasure is all mine. So, Stuart, look, this is something that I grapple with a lot. I know that the so-called, I don't like labels, uh, but the so-called modern Orthodox community also thinks about quite a lot. This notion of rabbinic law being kind of a never-ending discussion filled with dissents and, and disagreements and contradictions, and the need for a constant reminder that, you know, sometimes some people are going to be more lenient, some people are going to be more prohibitive, and, and you kind of have to feel your way into this center, or at least understand the whole gamut of considerations that goes into making any kind of ruling, which strikes me as a pretty good way to think not just about religious rulings, but really about anything, you know, including politics, the science, and anything else in which figures of authority quite often tend to rule the roost. So how do we approach this? How do we think our way into this question based on today's helpful reminder? So to me, this cuts straight to the heart of a really exciting dynamic in Judaism and even politics, that between uh, leaders and community. And by that I mean, as you mentioned, essentially what this Talmudic page is asking is, what if there's a disconnect between a leader, a rabbinic leader in this case, and his community? So to me, navigating these poles of sort of communal autonomy, communal wishes, communal practices, and rabbinic authority is a central dynamic in Jewish practice and is a really exciting one. By that I mean, there's a constant push and pull between those poles in a way that actually leaves us all for the better. On the one hand, you have practices in Judaism that emerge unquestionably from the community itself and not from rabbinic authority. One of my favorite Jewish practices, which we'll be doing before you know it in a few months, is the practice of Tashlech. Tashlech is when, during the high holiday season, we go to throw our sins into the sea and Jews communally gather around the river to recite a special prayer, maybe even throw in a piece of bread. Now, there's no question that if one looks through the sources, it turns out that this practice emerged from the Jewish community itself. This is not a Talmudic practice. It wasn't even necessarily sanctioned by the rabbis for hundreds of years until at a certain point, rabbis threw up their collective hands and said, well, this seems to be something people want to do, and it's inspiring, and it's meeting the theme of the high holidays, one of repentance and ridding ourselves of our sins. So we're going to give our stamp of approval to it. I never knew that. That's fascinating. On the other hand, of course, we live a life of commandedness as Jews, and there's no question that rabbinic authority is of crucial importance. And we uh, modern Orthodox Jews, so many Jews around the world, uh, feel a sense of obligation and commandedness from God and from 
the rabbis and the Talmud and our rabbinic sources. So I think this dance, if you will, this timeless dance between this idea of what emerges from a collective Jewish consciousness and Jewish communal practice and what emerges from uh, rabbinic authority is something that is constantly navigated. And I think of a great example from this period of the three weeks, the nine days, the period around the destruction of the temple that we are commemorating. And a colleague of mine at Yeshiva University, Rabbi Herschel Schechter, this year declared that it would be okay, unlike in previous years, to listen to recorded music during this period that's normally a sad one. And unquestionably, I see a decision like this as emerging from a connection between where the community is at in this time of pandemic, in this time of loneliness, in this time of disconnect, where we all need a little pick-me-up. And I think our particular rabbi in this case met the community where they are and, and declared, issued a ruling that is okay this year to listen to recorded music because we know where the community is at in terms of its suffering even without having to put itself in the headspace of suffering mourning over the temple many thousands of years ago. So this is a brilliant way to think of, you know, how some rabbis wisely approach reality and, and take into consideration the needs of their community. Now, give us the flip side of this. What can we, and again, this applies to religious people and their rabbis, but it, it might also uh, very well apply to people who, you know, think very highly of, say, political leaders or corporate leaders, and at times, as inevitably happens, are at odds with them. Give us the layman's perspective. How are we to think through moments in which our leaders, the people we look up to, do things or say things that strike us as needlessly stringent or maybe even misguided? So I think the importance is to let them know how you feel. I think whether it's voting in the booth, voting with your feet, voting with letter writing or social media posts that are, of course, respectful, I think it's important to bridge gaps by connecting with people. And I think it's the human connection. So much of what I love about the Talmud is the very humanness and humaneness of it, of the idea of the messy reality that is sitting in a big midrash and navigating Jewish life with others who you disagree with uh, and with the rabbinic leaders sitting at the head table. I think so much of bridging can be done by being human to each other and being kind to each other and saying, I might disagree with you, and I think your policies or your fiats or your rulings are wrong, but I'm going to let you know it in a way where we can sit down and have a conversation about it. We can have a l'chaim together. We can connect with each other as neighbors, as fellow citizens of a community, and as fellow citizens of the world. Well, Stu, that is very wise. So since you're not only my friend, but also my rabbi, let me take the first step by telling you I, I strongly disagree with your love of the New York Yankees. But hopefully at some point soon we could sit together and work through this deep halachic problem. Speedily in our days. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Always a pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.